everyone, and welcome to another edition of Films on Trial. This week, episode number 35, apparently. It's Leon, or Le Professional. Oh, beautiful uh, accent. Thank you very much, man. I've been practicing. Okay, I'm Gav. I'm Alex. I'm Dave. And I'm Austin. Uh, yeah, um, no Joel tonight, um, fortunately for us. Uh, <laughs> because uh, I've read some of the arguments that I've got later and I can't imagine his contributions would have been worthwhile, to be honest. Um, <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> so if you've never heard this show before, basically we take a film and we put it on trial. There will also be lots of terrible impressions, even worse songs, um, banter, uh, a quiz, uh, I don't know, other things, I suppose. But before we go on to any of that, let us do a little bit of news. And hang on. Very good, very nice. Very good. Bit of sting on the podcast. Yeah, though. yeah, yeah. It did uh, sting, to be honest, getting that last note wrong. Um, <laughs> so, uh, what we do here is we all go around and we each talk about a newsworthy topic that has happened in the past week, or I should say the past 24 hours, because we did record an episode yesterday. But fortunately for us, in the past 24 hours, the Super Bowl has happened. Congratulations, American football team A, (laughs) (laughs) on your tremendous victory. Really? Really? I think it was the Philadelphia Eagles who wanted to be honest. Commiserations to the Patriots. Yeah, I I don't don't mind the Philadelphia Eagles because of it's always sunny in Philadelphia. Is that their team? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, so, so the Super Bowl happened last night, and with the Super Bowl always comes overly expensive adverts and commercials, including ones for the latest blockbuster movies. So, my piece of news was going to be talking about that, and coincidentally, so was all of yours. Yeah. So I think we should just go around in a circle, Jake, and talk about all the, <laughs> <laughs> all the trailers that have just come out. I don't know quite about the circle joke bit, but I, I watched, I think one of the trailers I really liked was um, Skyscraper with uh, The Rock, Dwayne The Rock Johnson. It looked quite interesting to me. It was basically like Die Hard, but with like updated and with The Rock. I know you're a big fan, Gav. Yep. And um, yeah, I, I just looked really good. I, I, I sort of, as I was watching it, I was thinking, I'm not really... I've not seen many films where it's just The Rock is the lead protagonist without anyone else in it. Normally, like Fast and the Furious, he's kind of part of a team. I don't know. It always feels like he's got someone there with him, sort of helping him through it. So I don't know. It'd be quite interesting to see. I do. I didn't used to like him as much, but I do quite like him a lot now. I think with The Rock, you know what you're going to get. You know, you know you're going to get lots of explosions, CGI. You're going to get The Rock punching somebody really hard in the face at one point. <laughs> Uh, so I mean, it's it's it just it's a recipe that they know is going to be successful. So you know why uh, fix something if it isn't broken? He is one of the most bankable stars at the moment. Am I right? He's, yeah, yeah. If not the, he's the, the yeah. is he yeah. overtaken Danny Junior now? Um, or is Danny Junior the highest earning? Am I getting the figures wrong way around? He was the highest remember. earning, yeah. Um, but I think even The Rock might have surpassed him on that as yeah. well. But I think it's bankable. I think it's just if you know yeah. he's... You yeah, you get a good return on your money, yeah. yeah. I know what you mean, though. It is unusual not seeing him with... So, I mean, nine times out of ten, Kevin Hart is yes, attached to his hip in most films. Something, 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 something. Two times out of uh, maybe 35. <laughs> Gav does absolutely love The Rock. I've, I, like, I, do, I did have a question I wanted to ask before, but I thought I'd save it for the podcast. Who do you think's a better actor, 
Arnold Schwarzenegger or Dwayne The Rock Johnson? What's The Rock? Because The Rock can actually act. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I would say he's got a ways to go to be a bigger film star than Schwarzenegger in the, in the grand scheme yeah, of things. Yeah, he's yeah, doing yeah. a good job. Don't get me wrong. He could be on track. But oh, yeah. I think he is. But yeah, I think Skyscraper does look good, although it does look like Die Hard and The Towering Inferno yeah. had a baby. Do you know what the, the problem <laughs> With The Rock. Is? With The Rock. <laughs> and, the, and I'll be honest with you, I'm going to go see it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it actually looks pretty good. <laughs> I think it looks great, yeah. I really hope the antagonist, because, you know, when you think of Die Hard, like, Alan Rickman just, you know, blows away, blows it away. So I'm hoping mm. uh, the protagonist, he didn't look very good in the trailer. The antagonist. The, antagonist. the villain, sorry. The villain, yeah. The villain. I'm hoping the villain looks, is better than he looked in the trailer. Yeah. Well, well, to be honest, I mean, you're talking about one of the most iconic screen villains of all time. So it's always going to be hard to compare to Hans Gruber, isn't it? Perhaps, yeah, perhaps, I, I, skyscraper, you're going to do that, aren't I you? I compared it to Towering Inferno. Perhaps we should do him a favour already and just say, maybe he's going to be like Richard Chamberlain in Towering Inferno. <laughs> that's, that's not much to live up to, yeah, right? No, 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 no. The, the real villain in the Towering Inferno was the fire. So <laughs> just as long as this Those guy are is... some pretty good fire effects, to be honest. With you. I don't think you can live up to that. Yeah, it's almost like the producers kind of said, oh, hang on, does this script sound too much like Die Hard's? Uh, oh, okay, yeah. What about if we just give him a prosthetic leg? <laughs> there we go. <laughs> New film all together. No, I, 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 just like Dave said, I, I'm really going to go and watch it because it looks, it, it, honestly, even if I wouldn't have seen the, uh, the trailer, if somebody just would have said, The Rock's in a film, uh, just That's t- it. don't say anymore. <laughs> Take my money. Okay, uh, Dave, Dave, which trailer piqued your interest last night? Uh, it may come as no surprise to anyone, but Solo, mm. the Star Wars story, uh, piqued my interest. I think it looks pretty good. It, they didn't give too much away. One thing I hate about trailers is that they practically show you the entire film. You know, every plot twist, you know, every major scene, every cinematic moment. With this one, they've actually played it pretty safe, I'd say. They've not given away too much. Nothing too... I can't predict a plot. I can't piece together a plot out of mm-hmm. what they've shown me. So I think that's good. They're just giving you... Not even dialogue from some of the characters. They're just giving you screenshots of the people involved, enough to whet the appetite. I think I think they've done a good job with the trailer, and the film looks like it could be all right. It's piqued your interest. It has piqued my interest. I, I, I don't know, to be honest. It no? looks like a teaser for a trailer. Mm. And if it felt a little bit like it was rushed, and it was just thrown out there, and it seems a bit of a waste considering how much money have to pay for just one 20 odd seconds slot in the Super Bowl halftime it's I think it's at least well I mean a few years ago I knew it was a million dollars so it's probably increased since then and as you said nothing was really revealed and and obviously you know we're always having this debate about trailers going into too much detail and showing too much of the film which I absolutely hate but I think that was a bit guilty of not showing enough yeah but I'm looking at in online all the film you know every film magazine is talking about what it revealed so it worked because a lot of people are discussing what they thought they could do you don't need to give too much although I agree I don't see why they bothered buying a slot on the Super Bowl because I don't think it's changed anything. Any everyone knows that Solo is being made. It's going to be released. Mm. I think anyone and who was going to see it is still going to see it. Totally, totally. And no one who was going to bother is still not going to bother. So waste the money getting a Super Bowl slot. Are you like what about you, Ozzy? Do you want to go and see Solo? Uh, Solo yeah, I'll go and watch Solo. Definitely. I've seen all of the new Star Wars yeah. on the day of release, and I'm sure I'll go and watch that one on day of release. But I didn't mind that trailer though, the solo trailer. No, yeah, because it didn't it. show anything. I thought it was. It, yeah, it was yeah. a teaser. It was More a very a much a teaser exactly. rather than an actual trailer. Well, my main problem is um, right. Okay, I've forgotten the name of the guy who's playing Han Solo. Uh, uh, and so, no, 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 no. How do you say his uh, name? Uh, 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 man number one. <laughs> 
uh, who was in Hail Caesar. Name. Right, patch this in later, obviously. Um, <laughs> so, actually, while you're on IMDb there, Dave, frantically checking out that guy's name, can you find out how old he is as well? Because my issue is that when it came to casting young Han Solo, they had a lot of actors who were quite young. They had um, Chandler Riggs from The Walking Dead. They had a number of other uh, actors who were all in their teenage years. And this guy, who Dave's about to tell me the name of... Alden Eckenreich. Yep. He looks as old as Han Solo did in the first Star Wars film to me. Now, how old was Harrison Ford? About 30? Yeah, I think he was, he was, he was over 30, wasn't he? Because his first acting job was Yeah, because Carrie was Fisher was about 22, 23. Mark Hamill, about 26. Yeah. He was a couple of years older. Yeah. Uh, Alden Eckenreich is 28. So they've not got much time to play with. Yeah, but maybe it's not a big prequel. You know, it's not a teenage prequel. Maybe, maybe that, maybe that fits. Yeah, but Han Solo was like a thirty-year-old man. This guy looks like a thirty-year-old man who doesn't look like Han Solo. You know, it, <laughs> I would have preferred it if they would have gone That's with true. like a sixteen-year-old. Yeah, yeah. Who you know, or, you know, eventually could end up looking like. Yeah, you go much younger. Exactly. So it doesn't yeah. matter that there's uh, the whole Anakin thing from. Yeah. You know, from the film that will not be. I, I, uh, I still don't think this film should be made to be honest i don't think you should look into the backstory of han solo he's a great character i really love the character in the first original three you mm-hmm. know but i don't think i don't think looking back it's gonna there's gonna be less there than everyone wants there to be you know there always is when you explore just one character's backstory it's not as good it can't it just can't be i know what you mean i was a bit skeptical when i heard they were going to start making prequels about the characters <sighs> i don't mind them idea. doing it like yeah. rogue one i don't mind them doing it about events yes like that was an event that yes. wasn't about a character when it comes to a character it's like everyone's got an idea of who yeah, that character is yeah, yeah. Leave it alone. Yeah. don't tamper with it but this is disney it's going to be a disney cash cow and there are going to be floods of star wars films coming this way I know. some of them will be hits some of them will be misses well, what about the uh, next rumored one uh, which is going to be the uh, prequel the prequel yeah uh, of the origin story of uh, obi-wan no, no, not so interested. It's going to be saying between what happened in uh, what the hell was the last one called, Revenge of the Sith, yeah, and A New Hope. So what happened to Obi Wan between then? But he, went, he went to live in the desert. Exactly. You know what happened. <laughs> he's, he's just not that good a character. It's just not that Ooh. good. It's not. Apologies to all Star Wars fans who are listening. By the way, no, you no. just can't go. You can't go into all of these depths. You can't know everything that happened in their lives. It's, life. it's a great. Not, it's a yeah. great character, but I think you know if you pick a main character and try and explore them too much, people have got their ideas of yeah. what, what made yeah. this character who they are. Yeah. If you were to explore someone like Boba Fett, who yeah. we don't know as much about up until the prequels, which kind of ruined his origin a little bit. But you know, if something what will happen to him in between Attack of the Clones and Empire Strikes Back. We know less about him. Yeah. That could be interesting. No, Maybe I think some sometimes you need a bit of mystique. Yes. Yeah. I, I think, you know... It's I, good not to know. Yeah. Although I would like to see an Obi-Wan film in which he is just living in the desert and it's a bit of a drama, you know, like kind of, oh, will my potatoes uh, <laughs> grow this season or not? <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's... Yeah, it's it. thrilling stuff. Half an hour argument with Jawas about trying to trade. <laughs> you know what I'd love to see? Admiral Akbar the movie. Let's make, let's make an origin story about Akbar. R.I.P. Uh, Ozzy, uh, so what trailer piqued your interest last night? Suppose it, well, it's, it's turned out that it isn't actually a trailer at all, but we talked about it oh, a oh, couple yeah. of episodes ago. Um, Crocodile Dundee. Yes. Yeah. And, uh, and I thought, I thought it was brilliant. It's just an advert for going to Australia. Oh, no, clever <laughs> stuff. <laughs> it was such, absolutely brilliant. Such a clever uh, commercial. There's been there's been teasers uh, for the past couple of weeks 
and people have been saying, is it a film? Is it not? You know, and this, you know, all star cast. You've got like um, Danny McBride, Chris Hemsworth, Hugh Jackman, Russell Crowe, Isla Fisher. Yeah, it's just, and it's just all, all famous Australians, essentially. Uh, and it it wasn't too much was revealed of it until last night when it was revealed as oh it's it's an advert for the you know Australian tourist board yeah so cleverly done though it was yeah because I mean, halfway through mm. like just as it, just as it was coming in the trailer I was like Jesus this is just an advert for Australia and then it was <laughs> then, so it's really it was really well done yeah no, pretty it was ballsy great. as well I thought you know because people might be it could have well, turned I, I, on them it could have turned on them a bit and gone what you know but well, they pulled it off yeah, massively totally, with the teasers leading up to it I actually thought that there was a the Crocodile Dundee yeah. sequel coming out. Yeah, I, I, I want that yeah. film now, though. I really <laughs> want that film. Yeah, it, maybe it's going to be like a machete incident where they do actually yeah, have to follow through and make the film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe. If uh, if Outcry is big enough for it. But I thought it was quite good. It was a good joke, but I wish it hadn't been a £28 million joke. Twenty-eight million. Yeah, apparently so. Well, yeah. if they, you wow. know, if they want to do yeah. that, if they want to make, if they want to spend and, the money that and way. And Paul Hogan gave them the rights for free. He didn't charge really? them to use the Dundee rights. But what did, a, uh, did the actors take salaries then? To do I, that? I presume they must have. Done they must have for twenty-eight million. Yeah. Yeah. I'd imagine yeah. fourteen million. That's Russell Crowe's. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, uh, I, I um, quite liked the Mission Impossible trailer, Fallout. It was called, I think. Yeah. Uh, that um, um, I imagine that's to do with him falling out of the helicopter. <laughs> uh, but no, I think it looked really good. I mean, same with the Rock movies. You know what you're going to get with a Mission Impossible movie. Yeah, I do enjoy him. Yeah, you know that Tom Cruise is going to run for a bit. You know, there's going to be an explosion that's going to send him sideways. Going to be a car chase, bit yeah. of a betrayal. I have to say, he runs really well, Tom Cruise. He's my favourite yeah. runner in, <laughs> in doesn't, films. Doesn't jump so well though, does he? <laughs> <laughs> hey, well, that's really interesting because so uh, filming was halted. Uh, halfway through because there was a scene where you know Tom Cruise likes to do all of his own stunts mm. or a lot of them anyway he has to jump between two buildings and he missed time the jump and he actually slammed into the side of the building I think he broke one of his ribs or he you know severely damaged himself anyway but what I think is really interesting is they've actually kept that in the film um, mm. so because, and in the trailer of that and in the trailer as well because obviously the constant professional he, um, he, he kept acting up until the director shouted cut <laughs> so they were able Able to use it if needed so that's it uh, i thought that was very interesting anyway but uh Fair play to him yeah anyway <laughs> <laughs> uh, also you had um jurassic world uh, two um not interested to be honest not interested. I, I will, too much i will go see it but it, it did give away way too much yeah. I, can, I think i could pretty much piece the film together myself yeah. now yeah that yeah. was there was a lot in that wasn't it, it was when it was, it was in the house that that's where my interest was lost i was like Oof, what that was at the very beginning wasn't it with the alien oh yeah it was just i thought that was a nightmare and then it's like oh god no that's real so i thought it was a nightmare i'm still not convinced it's not it surely you know logic dictates there seemed a lot of them in the room with a dinosaur in a bedroom yeah. i don't know how that happens and i don't care how come on wardrobe uh, monsters have you never ever just kind of got into bed one night forgot to check your closet for a dinosaur <laughs> and then before you know it there's 16 there people in a dinosaur in your bedroom <laughs> <laughs> standard night out for gaff <laughs> right well thank you very much everyone that is the news uh i'm gone um I oh, can't be bothered. <laughs> <laughs> it's a two-hander. I've got to move the microphone. It's, it's just, uh, yeah. Good. Too much. Anyway, right. As I said earlier, if you've never heard this show before, basically we take a film and we put it on trial. This week's film uh, that we've pulled out of the hat at random is Leon Le Professional. That's a, so, that a bit worse, that one, yeah, I think. <laughs> um, 
So, uh, also, um, as well as the film that we pick at random, we also pick the roles at random. So this week, acting as the prosecution and trying to condemn this film to the shit list is going to be my good self. Acting as the defense, the person who's going to be trying their very hardest to place this film on the hit list is going to be our good old Captain Dave. And acting as the character witness, who's going to just throw their genuine opinion behind either side of the argument to give it a bit more weight, is our good friend Alex. And... In the role of the judge, it's not Joel, it's our other good friend, a music producer and a second favourite bald man. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it is the first. You know what I'm just, well <laughs> no, just, behind, just behind the rock. <laughs> oh, it's like I'll settle for that. And Austin's role today is is that of the judge, and he has to listen to both arguments and decide which film, which list the film should be placed on, based solely on the arguments I'd and ju- not using his own ju- opinion. Ju- the last time Ozzy was judged, we just need to be very clear. Ozzy, <laughs> you do know the film we're talking about, yeah? Leon. Leon, yeah. Uh, Don't want to bring up Gattaca. It's a life-changing it movie for me. <laughs> <laughs> so, if you haven't heard it's of the movie that got me into sniper shoot. <laughs> if you haven't heard our, uh, our Gattaca episode, please do so. Yeah. Ozzy uh, reveals, uh, in his role as the judge, that Gattaca was a life-changing film for him because it got him into photography. Before he then placed it on the shit list and then so revealed, <laughs> then re- realised that he'd never actually seen Gattaca <laughs> and he was getting confused with another film. <laughs> anyway, right, so without further hesitation, I think um, we should do a bit of a synopsis um, just to kind of give the viewers a bit more of an idea as to what the film is about. So uh, what style of accent so, should I do? I'd like either Gary Oldman or Jean Reno. I would, yeah, let's, let's hear more of that French accent. I'd yeah, say Jean the French Reno. accent. Yeah. Okay, oh shit. Okay, um, Matilda, a 12-year-old girl, is reluctantly taken in by Lyon. A bit Russian. A, profe- <laughs> a, a professional <laughs> loss. <laughs> 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 Gotta do Gary Oldman. Do Gary Oldman. Yeah, go, 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 go on. Uh, after he, her family is murdered, um, what's that bit where he goes, I love Mozart. <laughs> Lyon and Matilda form an unusual relationship. All of your accents go back to being the count. <laughs> So, uh, without further hesitation, I'm going to pass it over to our esteemed judge, Austin, to kickstart things. Okay, guys, so uh, let's start with the defense then. Okay, okay. I have a couple of things I want to talk about. And the first one I'm going to bring up is the cast and characters. I want to start off with the main man, Leon played by Jean Reno in what is a really fantastic performance. Jean Reno's one of those actors who've never felt really reached his potential. But you know what? In this film, he came close. This was a very good performance from a very understated, very measured performance. He, uh, he, gives a, he really makes you feel the character's social awkwardness. I mean, when you first meet him, he is gunning down mafia bodyguards. You know, he, he seems like a hard man. He seems like very surly, emotionless. You realize that there is an emotion to him, but he's very socially awkward. He has no friends. And then when you see him in his private life, he lives alone. He sleeps in his armchair. He doesn't even lie down to sleep. He sleeps fully dressed in his armchair. All he's got is his houseplant. You see him go to the cinema by himself and he loves old films. There's like a childish quality to him, the enjoyment he gets from watching old films. And he just seems very secluded, emotionally repressed almost. And then when this young girl comes into his life, whose life he saves... He uh, takes her on and kind of becomes a surrogate father figure to her. And he doesn't know what to do. The f- one of the first moments he has 
when she comes to his door after she's walked past her apartment and her family have been found murdered and the, the bad guys who've done it are still there. They're still ever present outside her apartment. She goes to his door, just walks right past them, tries to play it cool, lest they realize she's the missing link of the family that they're, that they're looking for. And just knocks on his door like it's her house. And he debates whether to let her in. And there's such a debate, such a conflict going on. This is a man who likes his privacy. He doesn't want company. He's afraid of company even. And you see that he doesn't know whether to let her in, whether not to. And he does. And there's this, uh, just to deter from, uh, d- defer from characters for a second, there's this beautiful shot where she's outside the door crying. You're not sure whether he's going to let her in. It goes on for quite a while. And the door opens and light from behind him that just hits her face. The camera stays on her as the door opens, the light hits her, and it's like salvation, almost. It's like, you know, she's found a safe haven. And he lets her in, and he did. there's a moment where, after he's spoken to her for a while, she goes to sleep, and he, he walks in behind her, and he pulls a gun out, and he's pointing it at this sleeping child, and he's thinking about, you know, do I need this grief? This would be an easier way for, for me. This would make my life simpler. And there's such conflict in John Reno's face. You know, he, just, he doesn't know what to do. He doesn't know how to express the emotions that he's feeling. And as time goes by, he starts to, to feel fondly for this little girl. He becomes that surrogate father figure that she never had. And he, he, he loves this little girl like it, like she were his own. And in the end, he makes the ultimate sacrifice for her so that she could escape all the money that he's been saving up. He spent very little of it on himself, only enough to survive is given to her. And he gives, it, it's just a very understated, like I say, because there is a real emotional repression in him, a real social awkwardness, but it's so cleverly done by Jean Reno. And I do give the credit to this to Jean Reno. I don't think Luc Besson had this in mind when he wrote the character. I think a lot of this was what Jean Reno brought out of it himself. Natalie Portman as well. I've mentioned that scene where she goes to his door. That is an incredible scene. She gives a performance way beyond her years in this. She is fantastic. It's no wonder she became one of Hollywood's biggest stars. It really is a very mature performance from someone who was so young. When you think this was her debut film, she really does do a fantastic job dealing with some very tricky material, should we say. Some very adult content to this film. I know her parents were ever present on set and they did have a lot of say over, mm, no, I don't think we're going to do that scene. I don't think we're going to let her do that. And so they did have a bit of a discussion with Luke Besson and ultimately he let them have their way. It's like, fine, if, if that's not to be, it's not to be. And so they did have say over what she had. But still, there's still it's a very mature film. It's an 18, there's a lot of violence, a lot of swearing, a, a lot of sexual, I don't know, innuendo, you might say, you know, which for a young girl to have to, to say these lines it's not easy, and we'll come on to that later, I'm pretty sure. But as far as her performance goes, she does a great job. And I think Gary Oldman steals the show as Norman Stansfield. This this performance was uh, frequently voted one of the greatest cinematic villains. I saw someone uh, call it the, the role that launched a thousand villains, saying that in so many action movies, action movies that aren't really up to much, but they get a villain and he just goes so over the top, hams it up beyond all expectations, steals the show. And they said a lot of guys, they're just trying to emulate Norman Stansfield here. I think it's a fantastic performance from Oldman. You don't know what to make of the character. It takes you a while to realize that he is, in fact, a corrupt DEA agent. And when you do that, it's kind of a shock because this guy is so unhinged. He's, he's popping pills. He's, he's, um, he's, he's switching accents. I thought that was weird. I want, when I first saw it, I thought, is he, is he losing his accent? Is he just not very good at accents? And then you look at Gary Oldman's other work before and after and it's like, no, he's good at accents. 
this is deliberate. Why is he deliberately switching accents? Like Gav's count impression, that was obviously very deliberate, but he switches, he almost goes to his natural <laughs> British accent at one point. Uh, he goes from American to British to, to accents that are clearly forced and put upon, but it, it gives a mystique to the character. It's like, why does he do this? Is it just, you know, his own train of thought is so jumbled it's so frantic that he even changes his accent almost like there's some like deep-rooted psychological issue here almost you don't know what to make of this character you just don't know what he's going to do next and that's what Luke Besson wrote this role for he said because Leon he knew was going to be quite a reserved character quite emotionless well as he wrote him supposedly emotionless Sean Reno got got little pieces out of it but he wanted Gary Oldman to be this kind of character where he just brought life to the screen and humor as well. He wanted it to he said a film without humor is kind of lost. And he wanted that humor to come from Gary Oldman. He wanted it to be a villain you, you could almost guiltily laugh at, but at the same time you're terrified of. You don't know what he's going to do next. And he gives such a great performance. And he ad-libs a lot as well. There's a scene with Matilda's father where he says, I can sniff out a lie. And he gets right up into his face and starts sniffing. The actor playing um, Matilda's father, Marco Badalucio, did not know he was going to do that. <laughs> and he said in interviews afterwards, he said, that look of discomfort on my face is genuine. Because Gary Oldman <laughs> just suddenly got right up in my face and started sniffing. It was just uh, genuinely uh, perturbed by the man. And a lot of it was ad-libbed. Luke Besson apparently went crazy with Gary Oldman. Because Luke Besson's one of the directors. He's like, right, you sit there. You look at him. You do that. He likes to direct actors every little move. Gary Oldman doesn't play by those rules. He just went and did his own thing. And he, and he said that he had a great working relationship with Luke Besson. Said he's worked with him twice since. Said he worked with him again. But he said it is a collaboration between the actor and the director to see the director's vision through. And he says, and it is the director's vision. But he let me do my own thing in the end, and that worked. And the supporting cast, although small, there isn't much of a supporting cast, but I want to say um, Danny Ayo, who played Tony, who's like uh, Leon's handler, I suppose, the man who gives him his job and looks after his money, very solid supporting role. Not much to say about it. It's a small role, but it's very solid and very well played by Danny Ayo. Uh, Michael Badaluccio, as well as Matilda's father, gives a, a suitably seedy performance, I think it's fair to say. And yeah, there's not much else in the supporting character. It really just hinge on the relationship between Leon and Matilda, and those two actors are fantastic in this film. Excellent. Any, uh, have you got any comeback for that one, uh, Gav? That was a uh, very full and detailed uh, description. It was quite quite impressive. You're going to have to do something special to... saying, uh... you're fucked. <laughs> 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 don't worry about me, Okay, so firstly, uh, Dave. Um, yes, sir. Well, you mentioned that uh, Jean Reno has always seemed like he um, w- was about to reach his potential. Uh, but you know he never did until this film i still think he's trying to reach his potential to be honest i don't think he, he reached it there to me it reminded me of tantalus he's always trying to reach his potential but it's always just every time he goes to grab it, moves it, out of his it way. moves out of his way good old classics reference there um you said that the character was supposed to be emotionless before jean reno um, came on board and i think the emotionless is still there to be honest uh, you said that he was very good at showing conflict I'm sorry, he was he was very good at playing the socially awkward side of Leon, um, just by kind of being quite, 
quite um, short with his words, but when it comes to conflict, when it comes to expressing any sort of emotion, I mean, it just looked like he constantly had this look on his face, like he was wondering, did I live? Did I leave my fridge open? It, it's it wasn't a very good performance, I don't think. And I, th- I think the bits where he was actually playing an assassin, which is the majority of it, or you know, the, the, a large portion of it anyway, it, it wasn't very believable at all. He didn't strike me as a hitman. It was almost like a kid playing an assassin on a playground. He just kind of walked around like he was indestructible. And I know that, that's a bit that Danny Ayo says later on. He's like, oh, bullets just slide off you. But this guy, he reminded me of Austin when we went paintballing. <laughs> just, you know, like, <laughs> kind of the Terminator yeah. truly brilliant. I mean, I found that one of the more terrifying experiences of my life, and he was on my teeth. <laughs> so, yeah, that was it. It was like the Terminator. Like, you know, I know that he's supposed to be brilliant, but the fact is, is it like he looked so effortless, but not in a good way, just in a like kind of lax way when he's kind of going from room to room. It's not like he's doing it in a kind of considered way. It's just, it looked bumbling. It looked like a kid's just like, yeah, I'm indestructible. I'm Superman. I can do this, blah, 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 blah. Oh, well, you shot me. Oh no, it just gleamed off me. It didn't hit me. It's fine. Uh, and you mentioned about Natalie Portman as well. You said that the content was, was very adult. I think it was too adult, to be honest. I think it was, you know, it wasn't so much as an innuendo as more of it was a sledgehammer and uh, she gave a very very good performance but the fact is is it was unnecessarily over sexualized for me uh, i think it could have been a good film if if you, you did say that the film hinges on their relationship if it just would have been a kind of father and daughter sort of thing but there was this unnecessary over sexualization that was put into it and it just made the majority of her performance really uncomfortable to watch for me because the, the bits that were really good is when she's showing true emotion when she's talking about her brother just passing away when she's kind of uh, talking about her family life when she's talking to the the teacher at the end about all the uh, the conflict and experiences that she's gone through but that's fine but then you have bits with her talking to leon and every time she comes on the screen every time she opens her mouth i just want to cringe and you you mentioned about john reno's performance well i've read an interview with john reno and he said that he had to alter his performance because of natalie portman's performance he made his performance a quote mentally slow so that the audience would sympathize with him and not think that he was taking advantage of matilda so like he had to kind of think on his feet essentially for that so he was a bit restricted which maybe is why i think his performance isn't as great as it should have been because he kind of felt that he had to act in a certain way to counteract his co-star's performance and finally, I just wanted to talk about Oldman. You said that he was he was uh, very over the top in this. I mean, he was so over the top that he could have been an Olympic level pole vaulter. I mean, he was ridiculously gone. <laughs> he is the epitome of a pantomime villain in this. Uh, to me, it was almost like there was there was no director there at all. That he was just given completely free reign. And sometimes that might be a good thing, but with this, it was just he needed somebody to rein in him because at times it went ridiculous. It was so far fetched and over the top. You like, there's no way that this caricature of a man could actually exist if he was a bit more restricted it would have been a bit more believable but as you said he's you know like kind of pill popping unpredictable you know he shoots uh, old ladies in hallways you know he doesn't give good explanations as to what happened with the shootout you know it's just there's no way that this guy wouldn't have been jailed you know i can't believe that he had risen to that senior rank within the dea um and you, you mentioned about his accent as well 
which kept on putting me off. And I think it isn't a case of, of, of the character or, you know, having a bit of mystique. I think it is a case of Oldman was kind of so eager to be like this, this kind of, um, a pinball just pinging around everywhere that he didn't kind of he rein himself in and he loses his accent quite a lot i mean i can understand you know going from different types of american which is what he does sometimes but then his british accent keeps on creeping back into it and with no explanation as to who stansfield is it just i find it hard to believe that this guy would have some sort of inkling of a, a british accent just seeping through his natural accent every now and again which is another thing that makes me think that it's it's very unbelievable you know it kind of pulls my attention away from it every time he loses focus so overall i think the performances were you know were okay i mean natalie portman gave the best performance in the film but as i said half of that was ruined from her over sexualization which just made the rest of it very uncomfortable Okay, so there's a, uh, quite a, quite a big comeback there. I'm going to mm-hmm. give you a chance to uh, to rebut a few of those arguments because uh, I, I could see how frustrated you were becoming. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> I, I did anticipate a lot of this would be coming my way. Uh, I, I do want to rebut uh, your point about Gary Oldman. I think we've seen enough from Gary Oldman, like I say, before and after the no, he doesn't lose his accent easily. There's something else going on here. It's not just the fact that he lost himself, he got caught up, and he lost the accent. I don't think that's true. And when it comes to him being given free rain i thought it was great to see this high energy performance yeah it is it is over the top you know it is psychotic it is beyond anything you've ever seen before you either love it or you hate it it's very much a marmite villain role i for one loved it and i know a lot of critics did as well it really does almost steal the show jean reno i stand by what i said i think this was a very restrained performance from him and not in he didn't do it because of Natalie Portman's performance. He did it because of the role she had to do. Even when he was reading the script, he knew what kind of character he had to portray. And it was because the script did deal with such mature themes that he thought, you know what, I, this, this is going to be uncomfortable anyway. I'm going to have to rein this back in so people don't think this man would ever take advantage of this girl. And to be fair to him, you don't get that impression. Although the scenes are uncomfortable... They don't really get the impression that he is ever really going to take advantage of her. And I think that's, given the material that's going on in the scenes, that is a great credit to Jean Reno's performance, that you, you do think this girl is safe with him. There's no sense of danger from him, despite the fact this is a man that kills for a living. He seems emotionally repressed, and he just seems like a very gentle soul, especially when it comes to dealing with her. And I think the, I think it's a very subtle performance, a very understated performance, but nonetheless brilliant. And I agree, Natalie Portman was fantastic. Um, but I am with you highly when I say that there are moments where you do feel uncomfortable. Some of the dialogue, some of the things she has to say, some of the things she has to deliver really are uncomfortable. It's like if there is an imaginary barrier between what would be an acceptable relationship for a man and a 12-year-old girl to have and an unacceptable one, this film goes right up to that barrier and starts shaking it Mm. and starts rattling it just to make the audience feel uncomfortable and it does it really does you you as you're watching it you feel like saying you know what just just take a few steps away from that barrier just don't touch it Mm. move a few steps back that way but it is there are uncomfortable moments but i think on the subject of cast and characters i think the cast handle the material the very strong and mature uh, mature material very well hey well not gonna lie to you guys this is gonna be a difficult one 
<laughs> it's going to so, get a whole lot more difficult coming up. <laughs> so, so Alex, I'm genuinely going to need some uh, some help here. Okay. Um, do you need anything recapping, or do you no, want to just? No, no. I, I think in? I can jump in here. Okay, cheers, um, so, if we're just talking about just performances, I'm going to agree 100 percent with Dave here. Like, oh, like 100 percent with Dave on performances. Uh, I, I think a lot of what Gav said was was just not true. Uh, I, I think Sean Reno this sort of pushed him past. It's the best thing he's ever been in. I think it pushed him past this potential for me. I think it's understated, but I think that's what he's doing. Sometimes, and you could might think of Kevin Costner when you when I say this. <laughs> uh, sometimes an understated performance is the best. Just let me ca- ca- slide past that. Okay, we, we will let, make me, it let me have it. Let me have it. We will make it up to Kevin Costner one day. Right. Um, you know, uh, Gav saying Sean Renu can't do uh, emotion, um, but I think actually this works because he's an assassin. I don't think he should have a very emotional role because he's an assassin that does sort of terrible things. So it works that he's kind of a little bit of a, what do you call it, a sociopath. I think it works quite well with the film. That he's a kid playing an assassin is quite an interesting sort of spin on it. So I think it all works well in the role and I think Jean Reno did a really good job. Natalie Portman's absolutely fantastic. You can't believe how young she is in this and she's absolutely superb. Dave's right when he picks that scene out when it's the letting her in shot. That I mean, her face when she's begging to be let in is just so affecting. You can't watch that without desperately wanting him to open a door and the way it opens beautifully done fantastic gary oldman is one of the best villains ever made i don't know what gav was talking about there honestly he's just fucking brilliant and gary gary oldman knows his accents he he he, he makes this character exactly what it is it's so complex it's so menacing uh, i mean it, the fact it's psychotic is scarier it is touches like some of the way he delivers lines like you know i'm sick and tired of this mickey mouse bullshit i mean there's so many lines that you know are just so well done it sounded better when he did it to yeah honest. a lot better a lot better i can't do gary say, very well say everyone <laughs> yeah. i mean everyone you know the bit when he's but when he takes the tablets and he's you know he's i'm not going to do the impression like the, the way he plays every single little bit when gary oldman comes on you are watching him for every little tick of his feature, he is absolutely stunningly good in this film. He's, he's, he is, for me, one of the best villains ever. And, you know, like Dave saying, he ad-libbed a, a whole bunch of his parts. Like um, the Beethoven bit right at the beginning when he's talking, when he introduces himself, really, after the sniffing uh, bit. Uh, you know, Gary Oldman's an absolute consummate professional. There's no way he lost his accent. It was definitely a thing he was doing on purpose. I thought Danny Ayo was really good as well. I really like his scenes with Jean Reno. I think that adds a lot, a lot of complexity. I think what Gav was saying is absolutely right. Natalie Portman is massively over-sexualized, and it's a huge problem with the, like huge problem with this film. But that's not to do with performances. So if Dave was talking about performances and that what we're talking about, then I'm saying absolutely these performances from every single person was incredible. But I do you think, Gav, are you going to be bringing up a little bit more about the over-sexualization of Natalie Portman? Possibly. <laughs> uh, well, how can I not now? <laughs> and then I will leave, I'll leave it there. But, okay, yeah, well, you know, just on performances, more to, say. <laughs> more to say on Portman possibly later. Okay, well, thanks very much for that, Alex. Um, who wants to go next then? Should we go for the prosecution? I if think Gav should lead okay. the charge if you're on gonna, this one. If you're going to come straight back out with some of this, then uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, let's, let's, let's stay on topic. Honest, let's be let's honest, on this it. next subject, I think there's, there's bits that need defending for sure, or at least <laughs> at least concessions need to be made. Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> So talking about the over-sexualizing show. <laughs> no, 
seriously. Uh, so I think that this is a good film. It is a good film. However, it isn't a great film, and it could have been a great film if, like I said previously, they would have kept it to a kind of innocent relationship between a man and a young girl. It could have been like a father figure and a daughter. It could have been two best friends. But instead, there was this unnecessary subplot about a Leon Matilda possible kind of love interest. You know, there was this kind of this this sexual question that was left hanging over the two characters for the majority of the film. And as soon as it's introduced, it just kind of ruins everything for me. Every time they kind of are talking to each other, what could be like kind of innocent, uh, like com- comedy moments, quite light, touching, warm moments between two people, is just kind of tainted with this odd, unnecessary over-sexualized just subplot um i i mean when we because you 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 might say that like well the, the thing is is that it's matilda who's in love with leon and leon doesn't reciprocate the, the feelings um, and but it's not just the script so because i think the script is bad in itself with the fact that it's actually in there in the first place because it could be just a great film if it wasn't in there luke besson actually decided to put that in there well actually luke besson had it originally where the character was slightly older and uh, Leon and Matilda became lovers. When I say slightly older, only a year older, between 13 and 14. However, after he was pushed by the producers, he decided to remove that from it and just leave it like as an ambiguous question. Um, now, that that isn't just the issue, though, the script. For me, it's the way that it's filmed and shot as well. Um, so that's what makes it so uncomfortable for me. So whenever you see Matilda, there's always like these lingering shots. The outfits that she wears sometimes are a bit unnecessary. I know I said that I wasn't going to talk about deleted scenes because there's some very, very questionable deleted scenes um, which you can actually be found on the international release version of it and the um dvd so the, the latest blu-ray release of it actually but the, the the edition that we've watched is the american release anyway and the edition we're reviewing right now correct <laughs> <laughs> you'd like that wouldn't you Dave? Uh, very much so. <laughs> so i mean the, the scenes where she's addressed as marilyn monroe the camera is very lingering there's a scene where she's talking about being in love with leon and she's placing her hands on her bare stomach it's mm. very very uncomfortable this 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 scene in it where um matilda tries to seduce leon and that is cut from the film from the version that we've seen for me when you know that that scene is in the film it actually tinges future uh, scenes in the film um so the last interaction that leon and matilda actually have it, leon's just kind of knocked a hole in the wall with an axe and matilda is is, is reluctant to escape uh, but leon is saying no no you you must go you must go and he says to her you know all, all you know i've got a reason to live now and i love you and you know when you watch that the first time as you said it, it's it might be an innocent way of just saying you know I, I love you as as a person i love you as a friend um but once you know that that scene was in the film it, it's tinged a little bit you know it's there's always this ambiguity that's hanging over it like a really dark cloud which for me is just completely unnecessary it just ruins the film general points as well about the film i think you can tell that it was quite raw um it, it one of luke besson's first films that he did um 
and uh, sorry, the cat just sat on the laptop, so we just <laughs> <laughs> game over there. Um, so yeah, you could tell that it was it was it was one of his first films because he's still a little bit wet behind the ears. He's trying a few things out. Some of it works. I think when you were talking about that scene where the door is opened and Natalie Portman is like kind of this that self salvation moment where the light hits her face, but other things I don't think work so much. Like there's a bit where the, um, the walking down the, the an empty corridor and he gets shot in the back and it goes to the camera and the camera is just kind of like is his eyes and then it kind of falls to the ground and then it goes white it's you know the, the, the stuff like that for me it, it didn't really work also leon was written really quickly uh, within 30 days actually because luke besson was trying to um, get fifth element off the ground but it was taking too long so we thought i'll quickly do something here so he wrote leon uh, very very quickly in the space of uh, less than a month actually um and for that i think there is some of the problems that i mentioned earlier the fact that um stansfield is is you know so high up in the dea and he has so many obvious problems that he doesn't even hide from his his um his peers or his, his superiors uh, the whole kind of gunfight, although it might be good, you know, it might it might look great. The kind of gunfight in Matilda's house. It, there's so many questions over that. You know, why was Stansfield's weapon used? He is the one that opens the door with the with the shotgun. All of the family are murdered with that shotgun. Uh, it's only until he makes his way into the room and Matilda's father escapes when he's actually gunned down so all of this could be pieced together by forensic experts but it's not it's there's so many questions and then they try and kind of uh, cover it up later on where he goes back to the crime scene with some other dea agents who say tell us about this and he just kind of says oh i'm standing in the corner he goes to shoot me and i shot him and that was it and it doesn't explain anything really so the, the whole thing is a bit slapdash the scene where uh, matilda is arrested and she's in the police station and leon just comes in and shoots two people, knocks two police officers out. There's a whole question there about CCTV, about going through metal detectors with guns, about avoiding everybody else in this like massive building. We know that it's multiple floors because I think he gets off on the 14th, but he avoids everybody else. So there's a lot of plot holes and elements there that just don't stick. But for me, the worst thing about this is the relationship between Leon and Matilda, which, as you said, is the bulk of the film. The whole film hinges on that relationship relationship and for me it is tinged by luke besson's writing i mean we know about luke besson's personal life we know that you know his girlfriend is actually appears in the film she's the lady who he lets go in the first gunfight at that guy's flat and that's his actual real life girlfriend they met when she was 15 and he was 12. Uh, Oh, so yeah, 12, and he was uh, 29. He married her when she was 15, and she has said in interviews that she sees Leon as like a love story that Luke Besson's written for her because it's kind of uh, symbolic of their relationship. And if that's the case, and if, if that is what Luke Besson is doing, then that gives it another element, which makes you think that the film is even worse than than, it, than, it, than you thought it was originally. It's The whole thing is just very unnecessarily creepy, and for me, it spoils what could have been a great film. Okay, well, I'm actually going to have to disregard probably close to half of what you said there because it was all based on the deleted scenes. But some of the, <laughs> but, the international release, I would say. Okay, so the international release. I mean, I didn't know most of most of that, so it's quite interesting to to understand and and uh, and I don't disagree with the creepiness. But I'm going to give Dave a chance to um, to rebut some of them and maybe um, add his own little take on. 
First of all, there's another bit I want you to disregard there. Luke Beston himself is not on trial here. Possibly <laughs> 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 <So it> should be. <laughs> but he's not. His, his personal life is Luke Beston's personal life. And we're talking about the film he made. We're talking about Leon. We're not talking about what, what Luke Beston does at home. <laughs> had to bring that up, didn't you, girl? Had to bring that up. And yeah, I would ask you to disregard the deleted scenes. Happily, there was someone around to, to like put a hand on Luke Besson's shoulder and go, do you really think we should leave that in? It's, let's cut that out. So there were bits they hacked out of the script. There were bits they hacked out of the actual film. Sorry, Gav. I was going to say it wasn't just one person. They left it in um, the original footage and they took it to... Uh, test audiences. Test audience. Yeah. So test no, audience. Bit, not just that one scene. There's other scenes which someone was like, ah, come on, Luke, we can't have that in the script or we can't leave that in the final edited yeah. version. Along the way, there were various people reining Luke Besson back in on what this vision for the film he had because he, he clearly got a little caught up in his own script right now there's so much that gav said that i need to i need to talk about there um sorry <laughs> there was a lot of stuff there was a lot of stuff um okay the one thing that springs to mind we're talking about the shootout in the apartment um gary Oldman's performance which i still think is a fantastic performance and i think you'll find majority rules most of the critics you read mm. on like will say that gary Oldman gives a fantastic performance but if we're talking about that shootout in the apartment there's bits of it that you've, that you've neglected i mean one that's not Stansfield's issued weapon, the shotgun. As you see when he draws the gun uh, at multiple points throughout the film, his, his, it's um, a modified Smith & Wesson um, is his issued piece. It's not the shotgun. So that probably could not have been traced back to him. So now there's the opening scene. Right, wait, sorry, not the opening scene. The scene here, the shootout in Matilda's apartment. When you first meet Stansfield, he says to Matilda's father, I'll be back at noon tomorrow. And so at that point, you see the clock in the following day in Matilda's house. It says 11.58. And then you see Stansfield and his men arrive. And from them making their way through the apartment block to the door takes exactly two minutes. And then at exactly 12 noon, Gary Oldman kicks the door down. I think that's actually some pretty good directing right there. You know, Luke Besson's personal life aside, that is some good directing. That's a really well done scene. And I do think, you know, yes, there is elements missing from Gary Oldman's story that make this a believable character it's hard to believe that a man this unhinged mm. could make it through the ranks of the dea it is implausible but you don't really mind in this sense you're enjoying the ride you're enjoying the performance that gary oldman is, is giving and it makes the film work the film would be far poorer without him in it you know i'd sooner have gary oldman in this with multiple accents than not in at all with no accent. Gary Oldman's not on trial here. Stop trying to <laughs> swing the jury and the judge with Gary Oldman. That, that was a callback to Air Force One, by the way. Um, you're going to have to remind me of, of some of your points. I'm going to deal with the inappropriate bit last. But what were the other points you made? Um... Don't ask me. <laughs> there was, was a lot to take in. There was a lot to take in. Um, okay, I'll talk about a bit about the direction. You, you brought up um, one of my favourite shots of the film, and I think you've just mentioned it, so I can't. <laughs> you've made it sound like one of the best shots in the film was bad, where you see... Yeah, that's exactly what you've done. You, you, you brought it up so I couldn't. Well, that's <laughs> it, let's is, hear your take on the same it scene. It is then, a magnificent shot. Basically, Leon is walking out of the apartment after this final shootout, and the man who has his reputation, all oh, the bullets just slide off you, is riddled. He is in pieces. You know, he is clearly not bulletproof. This is kind of the revelation into the film. He was mortal. He was just a man. And he's walking out. He's, he's possibly not 
along for this world as it stands. And he's walking out towards the door. You know, again, that there's that light imagery. Like, salvation is ahead of him as he's walking out of the basement of the tower block. And as he's walking, the camera's on him, his face is zooming out. You see Gary Oldman in the background. You see Gary Oldman coming up behind him, and the camera goes from the back of Leon's head to Gary Oldman's face as he pulls up the gun, and you see, from Gary Oldman's perspective, the gun pointed right at Leon's back, and it's a few inches away from him. It's a very tense scene. And then it just cuts to Jean Reno, Leon's perspective, approaching the doorway, and then there's no sound, there's just a flash Mm. of light. And he stops, and the camera just crumples. And you know what's happened, and it's a brilliantly done scene. There is no way, Gav, you can claim that is a bad shot. That is... Yeah, it epitomized kind of Luc Besson just giving up on the film. It's stylishness. It's, it's Dropping very, the camera. The thing about Luc Besson, he, his directing style is actually not lauded because he he never he can't please many people with his style of filmmaking when he released his films in France they said you're too american you 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 hinge on action sequences which he does very well but they are very americanized and the french didn't get it he went over to america and everyone said it's too stylish it's like you know what's with your characters what's with your your, your camera angles it's like it's too european so he was too american for the french too european for the americans i mean the band just couldn't win but it is still a very stylish film. One person who did appreciate it was Gary Oldman, who said that it was like no other action film he'd ever been in. That the style that Luc Besson's direction brought to it was like nothing he'd ever seen before when he saw the finished film. And it is very unique. The, the European style, the European camera angles, with what is an American action film, it brings something. It's a very unique film. You can't deny it's shot in a very unique fashion. Is there anything else before I get onto the elephant mm, in the room? I think it's time, Dave. they always say at conferences if you're going to eat the elephant you've got to cut up into smaller pieces make it more manageable yeah yeah well been some hell of some good conference. Wow. <laughs> now, I acknowledge this, this before. Elephant you can't it's quite, it's quite an yeah. image. <laughs> this is something I did acknowledge before. Gav is right. There are moments of this film which are deeply unsettling to watch. It's uncomfortable. And you kind of get the impression that is what he was going for. He did want to make people feel uncomfortable. I've read some critics' reviews that say they actually quite enjoy that edge on the, of the seat feeling one guy said it's one of his favorite action films he's seen leon like 50 times he's every time i'm on the edge of my seat thinking oh jesus this is going to turn into something unsavory and it never does and he knows it's not because he's seen the film many times before but he still he, he kind of enjoys that different level to it but what the, you got to remember about this film is one the deleted scenes are not in the final version that we reviewed two luke besson's personal life is not on trial three this actually doesn't become anything sinister it's hinted at and there's the illusion that it could develop into that but it never actually does and we need to remember that and i think the way jean reno plays leon the way he tackles this character it makes you feel sort of assured from his standing at least that it never will you do feel reassured. There is no sense of danger. There's no element of predatory nature about this man. You do think the girl is safe with him. But that still doesn't change the fact that Natalie Portman is given a lot of mature dialogue to deliver here. And John Reno acts accordingly. You know, for yeah. a man who... The reason he chose to play him was because... He, he chose to play him, as Gav said, he wanted him to be a little more slow-witted, a little more uneasy, a bit of a, an emotional recluse, simply because the script didn't allow him the words to come back with a, well, let, let me sit you down and tell you why exactly this is so inappropriate. Luke Besson's script did not give him that space. So he had to do it in his performance. He had to do it silently. And he did it. He really did. There is no element of danger about this man. 
I don't feel there's any moment in the film where what Matilda may or may not be feeling for Leon is in any way going to be reciprocated. I don't feel there was ever that danger. But Matilda does acknowledge that she thinks she might be falling in love with Leon. Now, all I can say about this is when she does make her feelings known, she makes them blatantly known. And it is unsettling to see a young girl saying these things to a grown man. But I think you've got to remember that as a young girl, young girls do get crushes on older men. They are unreciprocated. No harm comes of it. No harm comes of it here. Doesn't mean the words are any easier to hear, but there is no harm done. And I think when you're talking about the way she's dressed, it's it's a tricky one. I don't know. I mean... In New York, maybe maybe girls did dress like that in the nineties. I don't know. We're, talk, we're going. We yeah. have to look at fashion here. We have to really consider fashion. You mentioned okay, the Marilyn well. Monroe scene, and there was the um, th- that was actually her audition piece. When she auditioned for Luke Besson, he said to her, "So, can you do any celebrity impressions?" And she pulled Madonna out of the hat. She did Madonna for him, and she did Gene Kelly. And she did Marilyn Monroe based on... She'd never seen a Marilyn Monroe film, but she did it based on Mike Myers' impression in Wayne's World. <laughs> so that is kind of an audition piece. I don't think there was any, ever meant to be anything sinister there. Because of what's going on the rest yeah, of the yeah. film, you could easily read into it. Okay, well, you know what? That's, uh, I think you dealt with both of those. You, you've, you've chopped the elephant up uh, suitably, I think. Still alive, though. On. It's still alive, <laughs> and, that's why I'm gonna, bleeding out. <laughs> and that's why I'm going to... And that's why I'm going to ask Alex here. So... Two two big things here. So yeah. the stylishness. So the way it's shot yes. seems to be a big point of contention. The whole um, first person thing at the end yes. seems to sum up a bit of the argument to sure. clearly contrast in uh, views on that. So generally, the I want to know about is the style of the film and the way it's shot good? How it's, do you feel about it? It's superb. I mean, it's almost 10 out of 10 for me. The stylishness, Gav's... I don't know what Gav's talking about again. Like that, that, that shot, Dave's completely right. That Such shot. A catty bitch. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm never this mean to you when I'm counting with this and you're giving a defense. Sorry. I'm never as wrong as you. <laughs> like, like, <laughs> you did do catty mean. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah, that, that scene, that shot at the end when he's walking down, Dave did a brilliant setup of it, made me cry almost when he was saying it. I mean, it's just absolutely beautifully done. And it's a really good last shot. It's, it's great because it's so loud before that, that the actual scene where he shoots him is so quiet and so sort of like d- done so. It's just done absolutely fantastic. It could, couldn't almost be done better, to be honest. Uh, Gary Oldman's absolutely brilliant. Gav was saying a lot that like he's not, he's implausibly bad and, you know, he, the plot holes, how could he ever be caught? Uh, I don't think he has to be plausible to always be a villain. I just think you don't need to be worried by the implausibility yeah, during yeah. the film, you know, and, and yep. you know, no, no one's going, hang on a minute, wouldn't he get his friend? No, you're just not. You, you're swept up in his performance. It's not a big deal. So okay. for me, it's completely stylish and completely great. Okay. And then mm, yes. the elephant. Yeah, coming to the Does, elephant. Based on the film alone, the uh, the release that we've we all watched, um, does the un- it's uncomfortable. I mean, I've, I've seen it. It's yeah. uncomfortable. But does that detract from the film? Does yes. that make you think, oh, yes. I can't enjoy this? Yeah, for me, it's film-breaking. It, it, it does. And, and it's amazing because, like, like I say, I completely agree with everything Dave says and completely don't agree with most of Gav says, apart from the one thing where about Natalie Portman and the relationship between the two. Like, it, it breaks the film. It didn't used to, but every time I watch it again and again, I can't enjoy it. I wouldn't recommend Leon to someone who'd never seen it before because because it, of that, because of that. Uh, just just like for me it's not Dave was talking about you know there's nothing in the plot that's sinister and you've you know you think Leon's safe with it and you do but that's not to me that's kind of not the point for me it's like it's embedded in the actual shots 
Gav brought up the bit where she's on the bed saying I love you and she's touching her stomach and it's just very uncomfortable just the way it's shot throughout it sometimes it's hard to put your finger on it completely but it's really really it, it does feel very uncomfortable and like Gav said the whole film hang, hinges on this relationship it's unnecessary uh, Luke Besson's left things very ambiguous when they just absolutely shouldn't be and for me that's it's very sinister and it means I, I can't think of leon even though everything else about it is so well done it, it breaks the film for me okay okay interesting all right well let's um i'm gonna give you guys a chance to to wrap it up with some closing statements are you gonna have 60 seconds each i'm gonna fire over to captain dave okay um, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna get my own timer on the go here, just, just to make so sure can, you yeah. get the full 60 seconds yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, i'm gonna make the most of this okay are we all ready with the timer Okay. Common conception of this film, it is widely regarded as one of the best action films of the 90s, and you can see why. The action sequences are superb. Like I said, it brings, Luke Besson brings a finesse, the European style with American action shots, and he does that brilliantly. His direction is superb, and the performances that his cast deliver are fantastic. The film is stylish, it gives great substance, and it's just a genuinely brilliant action film. Now, there is a problem. You are made to feel uncomfortable by certain scenes. There is no denying that, but I would not say it breaks the film. I wouldn't say it enhances it in any way. I would sooner it wasn't in there, but it doesn't do enough to break it. The film is still good. Gavin even said, this is a good film. It's not great, but it's good. And I think it does enough. And although the scenes are uncomfortable, they are not easy to watch. It is not so bad that it does detract from the overall merits of this film. It is a good film. <laughs> okay. Give you one job to do, Bruce. It's a little volume slave. Right. Okay, well, look, I said that's that sums things up there. Are you ready for the prosecution? You've got yeah. 60 seconds. Starting now. Okay, so Dave says that it's one of the best action films of the 90s. However, my point is it's not just an action film, though. It's, it's more of a drama. It's a tale of two people. It could have been a great action film. It could have been one of the best. But... Because of this relationship that is hammered home to us between Leon and Matilda, it is forever tinged. It could have been a beautiful tale of a man and a girl just having a fatherly figure or a friendship, but instead there's this unnecessary kind of ambiguous sexual plot put in there, which just makes every scene that the two of them are in very uncomfortable. And considering that the two of them take up a large part of the film and share a lot of dialogue together, it means that the film overall is very uncomfortable and hard to watch. And you can't detract that although it has great action pieces and it's stylishly shot, as you said, the majority of it is about these two characters. And when the main point between the two of them is this uncomfortable relationship, it just makes it uncomfortable. Okay. Okay. Well, um, I got a lot to think about on this one, guys. I'm not going to lie to you. This is going to be a tough one. Um, can we go Bat- to a quiz? <laughs> Baptism of fire, eh, Austin? Yeah. <laughs> no, no reason, Joel, no, no wonder why Joel pulled a seat. Yeah. <laughs> right, okay. Uh, so, um, yeah, we've got a little quiz here, guys. And um, for, so for me, watching Leon, um, I thought to myself, Leon is a very, very good contract killer name, isn't it? And Leon always refers to himself as a cleaner. And I was just thinking to hmm. myself of other kind of... Um, hitmen in films sometimes don't have very glamorous names and you could be mistaken for people who just have normal jobs like a 
actual cleaners. So this is a quiz I like to call Assassins Cleaned. <laughs> Thanks, guys. So I want you to uh, tell me which of these are assassins and which of these are cleaners. So um, number one, Marissa Ventura, assassin or cleaner? Uh, cleaner. Assassin. Cleaner. Well done, Ozzy and Brucey. Oh. It's a cleaner. Uh, it's uh, J-Lo's character in Made in Manhattan. Uh, number two, Wesley Gibson. Assassin or, I'm going to say cleaned. Assassin or cleaned? Uh, assassin. 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 You're all right, yeah. Assassin. It's James McAvoy's character in the film Wanted. Okay, number three, Julian Noble. Assassin or cleaned? Cleaned. Assassin. I'm going to go assassin. Well done, you two. Oh, shit. Assassin. Pierce Brosnan's character in The Matador. Okay, and number four, Darius Kincaid. Assassin or cleaned? Assassin. 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 Yeah, well done. (laughs) Okay, Samuel L. Jackson's character in The Hitman's Bodyguards. Okay, number five, Tom Cutler. Assassin or cleaned? Uh, Cleaned. Cleaned. Assassin. Two out of three ain't bad. Uh, it's uh, yeah, a cleaner. Um, Samuel L. Jackson's character in the film The Cleaner. Well, okay. He was a cleaner. <laughs> he was an actual cleaner. And not in the Leon sense. He was an actual cleaner. Uh, no, so, so that film is about a guy whose job is to clean up murder scenes. Um, yeah. So, if it had been a film about a cleaner, Samuel Jackson would have taken it. I mean, yeah. it <laughs> he, would have he would never say no. Okay, so number six, Skeeter Phelan, assassin or cleaned? Uh, assassin. Cleaned. Uh, assassin. Uh, Dave's right. It's cleaned. Shit. Emma Stone's character in The Help. Okay, number seven. Samantha Kane. Assassin or cleaned? Assassin. Assassin. Cleaned. Again, Meatloaf wins the day. Um, assassin. It's Wait, Gina's Meatloaf. Two out of three ain't bad. Ah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, which one of us is Milo? <laughs> I, I, I guess that'd be me. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's Gina Davis's character in Long Kiss Goodnight. Uh, is it Goodbye? Long Kiss Goodbye? Long, Long Kiss, Kiss Goodnight. Right, yeah, okay, yeah. It's, yeah. Okay, number eight, Jane Smith, assassin or clean? Assassin. Assassin. Mr. Assassin. and Mrs. Smith, isn't it? <laughs> All right. <laughs> Jumping the gun, Nobby. Ozzy <laughs> <laughs> hadn't even answered you. Uh, sorry. Oh, no, but he helped me out. I was going to say cleaner. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're one of these people that just walks in and ruins the end of films, aren't you? Hey. We know he is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, by, by the way, everybody, Leon dies. I'll, <laughs> I'll leave it up to and you. And Matilda buries the plant. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Spoiler. I'm sorry, sorry. Maybe, I've, maybe I've, she doesn't bury the plant. I feel we're doing these spoiler alerts wrong. I'm sure we're meant to say it before, before we drop. Yeah. Spoiler. It's like saying bombs away after you see a mushroom cloud. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, okay, number... Yeah, you are right. It's Angelina Jolie's character, Mr. and Mrs. Smith, Alex. Uh, <laughs> and, and number nine, last one here, is Carl Reed. Assassin or cleaned? Cleaned. Assassin. Uh, assassin. Oh, Dave, you were doing so well, man. Uh, cleaner. Um, so it, it's the janitor, played by uh, John Capellos in The Breakfast Club. Okay. Uh, and before we move on, Alex, have you got any uh, triv about this? 
No. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, man. Why did you never have trivia? I, I, I did it last time, but it didn't go well, I, I, did it? I, I, I have some on. trivia. I've got, oh, uh, go, go on, you, you do yours. I, 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 I got a bit of trivia. That line that Gary Oldman, the, the, the most quoted line to Gary Oldman, apparently, is where he's like calling for backup on SWAT, for the SWAT on the radio, and it's like, uh, who do you need? It's like, everybody. It's like, who do you need? Everybody! Yeah, it's a great... And he screams that down the line. Apparently, he motioned to the sound guy take your earphones off. Oh, really? And he screamed down that at Luke Besson <laughs> just as a joke to make Luke Besson really? laugh. And it worked. It's like Luke Besson was not expecting it. But uh, yeah, he, he improvised and that was the version that stuck in the uh, the final cut. Oh, he does it so well. <laughs> I've, I've got a bit of triv. Uh, so, you know, the lady that comes out of the corridor to complain about the noise mm-hmm. and is frightened off when Guy Oldman shoots at her. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is Woody Allen's biology teacher. Is it really? Yeah. That is some random <laughs> trivia right wow. now. How did she end up in okay. a movie? No. Well, yeah, she's probably gone into acting after she retired. I don't think she knew it was a movie. I think <laughs> she just knew it was one and just shut up. <laughs> All right, okay. All right, you're up, Ozzy. Yeah. I'm not going to lie to you. It's been pretty difficult. You guys have uh, you guys have got some really good arguments. And I am... Um, I'm going to put it on the hit list. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not because um and it's not because either of the arguments were, were bad there, but it, it felt as though for the bulk of the uh of the arguments throughout the cast, throughout the, the scenes, uh both character witness and a defence, you agreed totally, you were all over it. And um and I and I agree with you guys about the whole uh, the over sexualization thing, but nobody here disagreed on that and it just seems as though it only does get it gets to the railings. It it, mm. it doesn't cross the line. It does if you've seen those deleted scenes. It, it clearly does. You know, you start thinking about it in a, t- a whole different light. And uh, but it's only it's suggestive, too suggestive. Um, and the rest of the film, though, is great. I mean, I I think it must I, have been twelve, no, fifteen, maybe when I first watched it. And when you're at that age, this is great, isn't it? Shooting perfect. people, it's amazing. And then. Um, and I've seen it again more recently, not, you know, probably not within the last two, three years, but it's, it was still good to me then. And, and I thought, looking at everyone as you were talking, I tried to listen to just the words, but I could see that it seemed as though everyone was generally thinking it's, it's still a good film. Be honest, Ozzy, I'm surprised that you've seen it once, never. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, congratulations, Dave. Thank you. Thank you. I, uh, I have to say, I have to say, you're going to spoil that for me as well. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I think Ozzy had a really hard job on this one. No, I think, I think, I think Dave did, one. and no, I think, really I think you had a really hard job on this one. Tough subject tough. matter, it's isn't it? It's tough Very matter. tough. I mean, yeah. I, what did everyone really think, Alex? I take it, you, did you really think that it's ruined the film genuinely yeah, no, to raise it to the ground? For, 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 for me, it, it's uh, it it doesn't make it a great film. For for me, it's just it does break it. Yeah, it's unsalvageable uh, because of that subject matter. Yes. Okay. Gav? <laughs> um, yeah, most of what I said was complete bullshit, to be honest. I thought all the performances were great. <laughs> <laughs> Gary Oldman, I want you to hear, I want to hear you say it. Gary Oldman's fucking brilliant. Gary Oldman was great. I, I do think he is over the top. He's very, very, very pantomime villain, but he does it in a really good way. Yeah, it was it. I right when I mentioned that shot? Did you just say yeah, that so I could? That shot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what a we both watched it together last night yeah, yeah. and I said to him, oh, I love this shot. <laughs> and he was like, oh yeah, that's a brilliant shot. And I could see it ticking over in his mind. Like, I'm going to talk about that tomorrow. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to fuck you over. <laughs> 
Yeah, um, yeah. Well, it's 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 a uh, you know it's, it is for me a good action film. But I completely agree with with what Bruce said. The first time I watched it, probably when you know when it first came out, I thought it was absolutely amazing. Uh, watched it again a few years later, still great, even better. You know, like oh my god, I can't believe I don't watch this all the time. Then as I started getting older, it, it just creeps in, doesn't it? Yeah, you start kind of realizing more as you kind of you, you mature and, and you develop and you kind of learn to read films better. You kind of you, you see it. You know, it's like from when I first watched it. You know, like when I was twelve or whatever to when I watched it. You know, when I'm twenty odds, you, you go like oh, oh shit, I, I didn't notice that the last time. It's, yeah, did you um, just take ten years off yourself? I was trying to leave some mystique in there. <laughs> I'm, no, I'm still totally, a young, totally strapping 21 year old guy. Um, yeah, and it, it does. And once you notice it there, I think it does tinge him. But I still think it's a good film. I think it is done in a well, the version that we have seen, I think, is, is done well because it's, it is ambiguous. Um, and I think the way Jean Reno performs in it, 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 it saves it. Because if it would have been a lesser actor, I think it would have completely ruined it. But it is still un- uncomfortable as fuck. Mm. Right. So you're at work. Someone says, ah, oh, I've not, I really want to watch an action film, but I've not watched many. Would you recommend any? Would you say to them, this is a work colleague, so you can't talk about it. You know what I mean? Anything explicit. Would you say, oh yeah, watch Leon? Or would you be like, oh, I can't really recommend that because it might be a bit weird. Honestly, if they brought up Leon, I'd say, yeah, you should definitely watch it. Really good film. But I would warn them. But they, 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 they haven't mentioned it. Would you, I think you'd would have to you put say, the... go watch Leon? Uh, I could think of other action films mm. I'd sooner recommend, but I wouldn't not recommend, I wouldn't say, oh no, don't watch Leon. I would recommend someone watch it, but I would definitely give the disclaimer, like, you know, I wouldn't watch it if it, this is going to bother you. There are some really uncomfortable scenes in there. It doesn't, like I say, like I made the point and Austin agrees, it goes up to the barrier and rattles it and makes you as uncomfortable as possible, but it doesn't step over it. I think it I, and for my personal opinion on it, I, I do think it, it's still a good film. I think Austin's made the right call. It is a good film. The only thing that I can say against it are these horrendously I mean, uncomfortable it, scenes. And they are, they are a big part of the film and they are really uncomfortable. Um, do I think Luke Besson should be allowed to screenwrite? No. <laughs> Do I think he should be allowed to make another film with children? No. Do I think he should be put on trial? Yeah, probably. Mm. But as far as the film goes, mm. the film was good. I think if it just would have been... Like, so the, the version that we've just seen with the script and the performances, I think it would have been, it would have been a, a great film. Because, as I said, you know, Natalie Portman is the one who's like infatuated. She's the one who's in love with Leon. Um, and but the way that Jean Reno performs that and plays it, uh, it's you have this sort of this, this warmth to him where you know there's no wrong. It's, it's, it's forever going to be unrequited. It? Yeah, However, the thing for me that leaves the bad taste in the mouth isn't the script, which parts of that are bad, especially when you look at the international release when parts of it are even yeah. just horrible. But it's the way it's filmed. Yes, the, it's the shots. shots yeah, yeah, the, yeah. The, the camera angles, the way it, it's like it kind of lingers. It's embedded in the film, isn't it? And it's, it's, you know, it, it, the, the way the choose no, over sexualized. I, I, I agree. A lot of Luke Besson's decisions were questionable. Just, but at the end of the day, the film, it's not, it's tainted. 
but it's not raised to the ground like Alex says. I, I just wish they'd gone for the father-daughter thing. God, how much how much better. We'd all be yeah. sat here going, Leon's yeah, one of the yeah, best yeah. films yeah. ever. Yeah. Well, you know, it, it would just be yeah. brilliant. If it was I just father-daughter, why not do that? It just was, ah, oh, it Absolutely. would have been so much better. I agree. Yeah. I agree. It could have been a much better film if they'd just... If someone had reigned Luke Besson and yanked that leech a little right, bit don't harder, do that theme. just yeah, kept don't him away. Do that theme. Yeah. But uh, the number of times, Gav's right, the number of times he did need to be called to heal. Yeah. yeah. Went, um, and it begs the question about Luke Besson, to be honest with you, that I don't think we really want to. I said to Gav when we were watching it last night, I said, Christ, how am I going to defend some of those moments? I, right, I'm going to have to get into the head of Luke Besson and no. find out what I'm thinking. I'm sure there's a perfectly good explanation for it or where you want to take these characters. I want to find out. And within five minutes, I realize I do not want to be <laughs> yeah, inside yeah, yeah. the head of Luke Besson. Nope. Right, okay, guys. Right. So we've got genuine opinions here. Next question. We've got to say, uh, Field of Dreams was our previous one. It was uh, scored 7.5 on IMDb. Yep. Is Leon higher or lower than Field of Dreams? Uh, I'm going to say higher. It is revered as a great action film. It's got to be higher, higher hasn't it? It's what does it say again? Field of Dreams. Field of Dreams 7.5. So it's higher. Okay, well, you're all right. It is higher. Any any guesses? Eight point two. Ooh, I was going to say eight eight point three. Oh, I was going to do eight uh, Well, you're all wrong. Um, you need to go up eight point six. Wow. Shit! It's actually in the top two hundred and fifty films on IMDb. I'm glad I said it was going on the hit list now. Yeah, no, I, I do believe that's the right call. Alex is right. It's tainted, but it's not raised to the ground. Okay, and uh, just while we're here, uh, let's have another caption contest. Uh, so, um, once again, I think I left it a bit too late to put the image up. I should have done it a while back, but, you know, get over it, would you? Um, so, what I've done is I've taken a snippet of a scene from Leon, and I've asked all of our followers and friends to put a caption to it. And it is a scene where Gary Oldman, as uh, Brucey uh, quite happily put it before, is... Uh, Quite, quite well. Uh, I've, I've just fallen over my words here. It's when he is uh, popping one of his pills, and he's kind of the camera is above him, and he's kind of looking back, and he's kind of I've got a face on him. I don't know. It looks funny anyway. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's been a long day. Um, right. So, right as I said, the best caption here wins a Freddo. Now that that has been on the cards for a long time. We have sent Freddos all over the world. People know how high these stakes are when it comes to our caption contests. So I was a bit surprised that we've only had one caption this week. <laughs> what? <laughs> so um, so I, I'm, I'm probably going to give it to them. <laughs> what? Out of interest? It's, it's our good friends, uh, The Film Cactus, at The Film Cactus on Twitter. Um, but I'm sorry, guys. I think you could have done a little bit better uh, just because I'm not very good at reading emojis. So they've gone for... Uh, Tear smiley emoji, uh, a monkey holding his hands in front of his eyes emoji, and then a poop emoji. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that's funny, can't look, shit. Uh, okay. Well, well done, Tom. Uh, <laughs> if, you, if you can do me a favour and um, write down what that means um, it, it, underneath, then I would greatly appreciate it. Uh, but yeah, so well done, Film Cactus. Uh, Fredo is coming your way. Um, just to say that while we have been um, putting this film on trial, we have also drawn out of the hat at random the next film to go on trial, and it is a good one, and it should be a good one, because... It's going to be another jury special, guys. And the film we are going to be reviewing is, talking about great 90s action films, it's only face-off, isn't it? Oh, yes. Oh. And we've picked the roles at random here. In Prosecution is going to be Alex. 
in the role of defence, it's going to be Dave again. Here we go again. In the role of character witness is going to be Joel, and in the role of judge is going to be my good self. However, my role next week is kind of a bit redundant because we're going to have our good friends, the jury involved, who will be giving the final decision. So it's not just me. You've got to sway, guys. It's going to be... A courtroom of your peers as well <laughs> so i just want to say thank you very very much to everybody who has listened so far and um, if you want to catch any of our previous episodes or our future episodes you can get them on www.filmsontrial.co.uk thank you very much to our good friend and musical guru austin ray who's essentially created the entire thing um, and you can follow him on twitter uh, at aussie ray you can also follow our good friend and graphic artist winston sang on twitter at the underscore quirks he's been doing a a number of uh, video commercials for us recently Pro- promotional sort of trailers i imagine uh, anyway they're really really funny so uh, check them out and uh, while you're on twitter why don't you follow us at film trials we're also on facebook instagram and youtube films on trial so without further hesitation just want to say thank you very much for listening guys and we will be in your ears next week with face off <laughs>